0: Now we're up and running. Alrighty. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Punchy Hunter podcast. I'm sitting down with Brett Davis um, in his music room. We drove out to Fallon for a little visit. Um, the Beat Lab. <laughs> the Beat Lab. Um, yeah, really excited about this episode. Uh, excited to pick Brett's uh, brain for you guys. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in. Brett? tell everybody about yourself
1: okay um i like long walks on the beach i'm a libra uh i've got brown hair and hazel eyes no all right no, i'll be serious <laughs> <laughs> so i'm brett davis um i'm originally from oregon and uh i started rodeoing and working for ranches when i was uh pre-teen i think you call it a tween nowadays uh, <laughs> when i was a kid you just called it 12 <laughs> and traveling around and then then when I grew up when I graduated high school I went to traveling more and working for lots more ranches and and uh kind of what I ended up doing is because it was the least likely way for me to tear shit up was all those ranches got to make me start all their colts and over time I built that into a business and I spent about 10 years on the road uh, contracting colts so I'd, I'd go from ranch to ranch depending on the season and then i I got it to where i'd hit oklahoma and texas and ride performance horses uh in the early fall and then I'd, I'd head to florida spend all winter riding colts in florida and go north in the summer uh like i said i did that forever and ever and then started having kids and so that makes it pretty hard to travel so took a couple of cowboy jobs and were deals uh for a few years there deals where they had uh, horse programs so i was kind of the horse guy for the for the ranch and then cowboyed on the side and that's where i met justin when i was in arizona you bet and uh we got we built a friendship there and then i got pissed off at arizona and decided i was gonna go to nevada so i called justin somehow to help me haul my shit up here <laughs> and i've been here since about november just riding colts for the public and uh having fun drinking cold beers yeah so, say
0: build a friendship uh, you guys fed me i think that's what it really was. yeah that was yeah i i showed up to help to shoe some horses and help do some branding, and brett was nice enough to uh think of whether or not i was going to eat that night and i had a bag of beef jerky and well you better come on up to the house and yeah shoot i think we fed you that horse stew that amy makes that first day I think so. Yeah. I can't remember. I it could have so. been horse too. I didn't ask. It was good. I just ate it, and it's tasty. I yeah. know that. Uh, yeah, uh, Brett is a published author. He's got a book. It's probably my favorite book. To be completely honest, it's thank you. You, you knew who you were writing it to. It's easy to read. It's nice and <laughs> short. You know, really, you really feel like you're getting something done when you when you read that bad boy and it's it's a wealth of knowledge it's the the started colt uh, and it's it's honestly one of the best books you'll ever buy um it's not a how to manual but I man you just walk away understanding a horse a lot more um at least I did I darn sure walked away understanding a horse a lot more um i told Brett the chapter on the how a horse's eye work works I mean I got a bachelor's degree. I didn't know that much about a horse's eye. Right. Um yeah, I learned a pile. Um what made you kinda want to to write that?
1: So the the way that all started out, um well I guess this is a podcast, so I don't have to make a long story short. It can be a long one. If you want, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. The way that all kind of started out was uh, there's a variety of things, you know, just going around all over the country starting colts and and you know that's kind of ate slept and breathed starting colts and along uh, long about that time is when these colt starting competitions got to be big enough that i took notice of them they'd probably been doing them for a while but i don't i don't have tv or anything like i'm, I'm kind of old-fashioned in that way so something has to actually be pretty big for me to notice it's around so i started taking note of these colt starting competitions and at first i thought they were kind of cool Excuse me. First, I thought they were kind of cool, and then, then I got to kind of looking at the world and, and thinking, you know, that's about all any of these clinicians are doing is is talking about starting colts and yada yada yada, which is great, but you know the the, the three years after you start colts, the hard work, you know, that's when yeah, that's, that's when that's
0: fucking lately.
1: Yeah, that's that's when stuff gets tough to do, and 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 this and that, and so I, I thought, man, I want to. I want to do that. I want to write a book and talk about that. and But before you can talk about the three years after you start a colt, you got to talk about starting a colt. Um, you know, and like there was a guy in Florida I was talking to around about this same time. And at that time, my wife and I, and then I'd, I'd hire help too. But over the course of a year, we'd put the first 10 rides on probably 350 head of colts a year. And uh, that guy I was talking to, yeah.
0: That's a, lot of fucking that's a lot
1: of horses he said man you must really like starting colts and I, I said well no actually i like finishing horses but you gotta start one before you can finish them <laughs> yeah. and so with all that in mind and then there was another piece of the puzzle too uh there was a, an outfit i'd started all their colts for him for seven or eight years and uh, the kid the oldest son uh, uh, just through conversation we were kind of BSing around about something he'd grown up on this ranch and through the conversation i realized he really didn't know how a snaffle bit works in a horse's mouth and kind of no fault of his own and just nobody ever showed him and so i kind of had all that going on in my head and my wife was getting her wisdom teeth pulled and i was sitting in the doctor's office waiting on that and i just started taking down notes of just things that i would i would want to tell somebody and then that turned into whole notebooks and then i threw stuff away and i rewrote it and got kind of obsessed with the whole idea and it took me like 10 years to write it to to actually have something that okay here's what i can what i can do now um so that was kind of the inspiration behind all of it was it was just I, I just got it in my head that it was something that needed to be done that nobody else had really done that i'd ever seen there's a ton of how-to books
0: there's a fucking pile of how-to books but my
1: book's kind of a more of a
0: why yeah absolutely and that's what i love about it so much and i like you know i i love supporting it because you're my friend too but i love supporting it because it's 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 good shit yeah it, it really well, is I appreciate just, that. yeah well and I'm, i've read it twice now and it just you walk away understanding the horse and the tools that you use to break one yeah and and that gets you a lot further, it get- got me a lot further than I ever would have thought it would, you right. know, I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you, I didn't think I needed to know how a horse sees stuff, I, mean, I just But once to- you
1: realize how they see you, then you go, oh, whoa, well, this is a whole horse- different deal.
0: Yeah, this is a whole whole different ball game. Um, and what I'm most proud of
1: about that book, like, when a guy like you that, that's ridden, ridden a lot in Cowboy and knows how to start a horse and everything says, man, I, I really like that book, like, I'm real proud of that. Real, real proud of that, but where I'm, where I'm the most proud is, is people that don't have anything to do with the horse culture at all that that are like you know friends and family and, and things like that. When they call me up and say, Yeah, I read your book just because you're my cousin, <laughs> and you know your cousin writes a book, you're supposed to read it. But holy shit, I'm a school teacher, and that changed the way I've, I'm treating my kids now. You know, because at its core, that book's about learning how to learn more than it's really about anything else and so i'm I'm really proud of the fact that that uh that people are able to take some of that information and then repurpose it to things besides
0: horses For other walks of their life yeah, yeah absolutely get and and you can i didn't even think about that to be honest with you and you totally can it's learning to learn yeah. that's all it's about really um Well, when can we expect the next book? Because I've been asked many a time. Have you? Yeah, I have. I've been asked at least five times when the next one's coming. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the first one took him a while to write. So I couldn't tell you, to be honest.
1: Well, yeah, the first one (laughs) took a long time because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, Because it turns out writing a book's kind of a lot harder than you think it is. (laughs) But now on the second one i've you know i've got a plan i understand how to do it and i i understand i know when i can and can't write um you know there's certain times where you just you want to write and you've got time but you're just like nah i'm not i'm not feeling it and and so i don't even try now um but i'm probably well two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through the first draft of the next one you bet um and so, and like in fact, with with the first book, with the started cult, I didn't have any kind of an outline. I just started, started at the beginning shit. and wrote yeah. when I ran out of stuff to do. You and bet. like, and the last chapter kind of illustrates that. I, I talk about, well, I've sort of written myself into a corner here, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: and so I, I didn't have a plan for it. Which, you know, that's quite. quite <laughs> totally what the book's about have a plan,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but so for the
1: second one, at at least I know where I'm starting and where I'm ending. And so I can kind of gauge where I'm at. Um, and these, these are the kind of works that, and I think anybody will have to excuse me here for it. I I don't mean to sound, um, I don't, I don't mean to sound big chested or anything if this does sound that way, but in, in any kind of a craft, and you can vouch for this, Justin, like even shoeing horses, you do the best work you can do and then you set it down and you go, hmm, there's a problem there. There's a problem yeah. there. There should have been more of this, less of that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's the same with books, but part of why it took me so long to write that first book is because I rewrote it like 16 times. And then, and then, I well, no, I don't, I do need more of this. I need less of that. And finally I was like, you know what? Piss on it. Publish it the way it is. Yep. Go for it. And so with this second book, I'm, I'm a lot better about going, well, yeah, maybe I should talk more about that, but that's what I said. And so I'm just going to keep pushing on. So I, I don't want to give, I I don't want to,
0: oh, and I don't want to put you in a box on a specific date by any means.
1: For sure. Within the next five years, which (laughs) is giving, giving myself a lot of grace, I'd, I'd really
0: like to, uh. That's I'd like a, to be that's a better question. When would you like to have it out? I
1: would I would like to be doing the last of my editing by the end of this year. You bet. And then uh then after that, once you have it all done and, and ready to to send to a publishing company, um you're anywhere between between six and eight months for them to do what they do, which I don't really know what it is they do. But I couldn't touch whatever you. it is they <laughs> yeah. do. It, that's, there's somewhere between six and eight months so I, i'd like it to be done in less than two years you bet be done and ready to purchase in less than two years hmm. and then the third one i'm actually working on it simultaneously with the second one but but it's real rough draft outline ideas yeah um,
0: you didn't kind of yeah hope for the same time frame of two to three years after the second book to have that one I'm hoping even
1: faster than that, because... Since you kind of already started it. Yeah, this second one, it was, oh... It was damn near a year after the first one came out that I actually started to sit down and write. Yeah. Um, You know, I had an outline. I had an idea. I've had for years an idea in my head of how I wanted it. But it, it was almost a year before I actually started to sit down and write it. On this third one, I've got, oh several chapters of it written real real rough draft but but written so uh you bet. hopefully it'll come out even faster sweet you know and it, and it part of what took so long when you self-publish a book you got to be honest with yourself and go all right my mom's gonna buy this and
0: read it. <laughs>
1: yeah you know and, and my, my <laughs> friends and my close family they're gonna buy it and, and most of them are probably gonna tell me they love it you know but like the average i think the average sales on a self-published book is like 75 copies and so when i published the first one i wasn't in a real hurry yeah to get started on another one it's hard work and it's it's kind of it, it was sort of a letdown you know when it was all said and done i'm like dang this is a, this was a lot of work for this little old book and so i really didn't didn't get started and then it caught on of course all my friends and family loved it and i was like oh yeah that's 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 about what i
0: expected yeah
1: and then you know then their friends like oh yeah well you know the same kind of people And, and you know but now i'm putting them in the mail and sending them to new zealand and and people contacting me from europe and stuff like that i mean it's i'm not getting rich over the book but it's hit a lick to the point where it's it's worth like Spiritually, worth the <laughs> yeah. effort for yeah. me. It's, yeah. it's, not, you know, it's not just the drudgery of, oh, I sold 75 copies to my friends, I'm going to sit down and put another... However many hours. However many yeah. hours into, into another project just to get 75 more sold to my same friends who know what the hell I'm talking about anyway. You know, But when, when it's getting to... It, I say in that book that the horse industry has provided for me my whole life in one form or another, Um, you know, I, I have, I've never made a dollar hardly off of anything other than a horse's back, so it's provided for me, it's provided for my, for my family, and I say somewhere in that book that if this book will help one person decide to keep, to stay in the horse industry instead of taking up tennis or something like that, then, then I feel like I've
0: I think tennis was exactly. Yeah. How he used well, there, to, yeah. there was
1: actually someone in, specifically in mind when I wrote that sentence. <laughs> um, but then I, I said, you know, I'll feel like I've I've done a part to give back to this, to this industry that's given so much to me. So, like I said, now that the book's kind of taken off, and it's it is having an effect on people. Then that makes it me feel like well, it's it's worth it to go ahead and put in the work on this next one. Uh, cause you know, financially it's not really worth it, but right. you know, for what, for the amount of hours I put in it, and this and that, I, I would be better off to go get a job at night at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. It would pay me better, but, but it's, it's worth doing it, that, that people enjoy it. And it seems to be, you know, nobody's sent me a burnt copy
0: of it yet. so <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've yet to recommend it to anybody that didn't love it and, what I like about it is it taught me a lot of stuff that I didn't get coming into this industry because I didn't necessarily grow up in it. Right. I mean, like I told you, my my mom kind of always had a couple horses around and kind of fancied herself a horse trainer and right. this that or the other. But it was like when I was 18 when I really got serious about it and really right. decided I wanted to get into it. And I learned a lot of stuff from it that I wish I would have gotten to learn then. Right. And... Well, it's probably saved me a few bumps and bruises i mean i can't uh, <laughs> while i was writing it i was thinking
1: god i wish i had known this thing i'm writing f- even five years ago yeah you know, absolutely. That's, that's doing it my whole
0: my whole career and yeah it's it's been pretty kick-ass to get to be friends with you and get to learn a lot of the stuff and get to read that book and get a lot of this stuff and save myself a lot of headaches and fistfights (laughs) that i've had in the past because i just know a different i I know a better and a different way to go about it now um well cool right on man i can't wait for the second one for those of you listening who have asked me about when the second one's coming out because like i said there's been every bit of five people ask me when the next one's coming that's cool there you go there's there's the time frame that we're that that he's hoping for um the next thing I kind of really wanted to talk to you about, and I got to watch a little bit of it today, is um, just kind of a, a week in your in your program, I guess you know. Okay. And I kind of like to a horse that comes to you halter broke and not a darn thing else, and maybe a horse that's had some rides, and and you kind of get to jump right in the middle of them right from the get go. What's well, kind of a week? Okay, what's we'll like those those
1: three that that you watched me in the pen with today they all showed up on friday afternoon so i didn't they sat around they stood around until monday so i started on them monday today's thursday uh so i i use the circus pole a lot which some you call it a single pillar circus pole snub post whatever you want to call it uh the first day with with any horse whether it's Halt broke and never been rowed, or something that, that has been rowed, or whatever. Um, I bring them in there and just teach them the pattern on that circus pole. Um, you know, which there, for anybody that hasn't seen the circus pole, you can probably Google it. I think uh, Zane Davis has got a pretty good video on YouTube about how it works. And I'll have some on YouTube about how it works before long. I'm still in the editing process on some of those. Um, but it's a real simple tool, but it it is a little difficult for a horse to learn that pattern and Justin, after you've watched me do it quite a bit now yeah over the last couple years uh you can see why because that horse has to guide itself in a sense but i'm still able to
0: control where it goes absolutely and yeah you don't have like you don't have you you're not out there pointing them you know yeah pointing to drive
1: yeah they're having to find their own space to go to but in a, in a, I'm still able to control the spacer i I
0: was gonna tell you um little side note, I did really like how that last one that little gelding yeah really liked to use all of that round pin oh, on yeah. his own yeah. he he just went and found it yeah. really liked all that round pin Where them first two really wanted to to hug on to hug on you and not really go find space and and use it and that little sucker he's, yeah the littlest shortest strided one of the bunch just about and he really wanted to get out there and find it yeah. and that was pretty neat to watch
1: that's what i liked about him too and yet and it, he was still willing to come in closer it was hard to work for. yeah
0: him. and he always had an ear on you yeah. he was always paying attention to you yeah but that's he cool would cult. he would he was yeah he is a cool colt but he would go out there and find the space too yeah. and that was pretty neat to watch
1: but yeah so first day they just they just learned the pattern you know when i step in and say whoa turned back into me instead of away from me and blah, blah 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 so there's first day uh second day we go around the post uh and we learn about getting hobbled again this is unless i've actually seen somebody ride it and know that person this is still first second day for for anything whether they're started or not um learn about getting hobbled i hobble them i hobble a single hobble first so a single leg hobble on both sides let them figure out how to stand that way then I cross hobble them or uh yeah cross hobble them I guess it's not really cross hobble sideline them which is hobbling right. a front foot to a hind foot
0: to the same
1: hind foot yeah right? left front yeah. to a left hind or right front to a right hind yeah and and, and that's for anyone that's not seen a sideline. what's that my sideline is probably probably three feet I'd say two and a half three three
0: and a half. Three two and a yeah. half
1: three feet and so they're they're not hobbled Right up again themselves like a set of traditional front leg hobbles. They can move around and they can walk around, but it, it restricts them and they have to they have to stop and think about stuff and yeah, they figure just, out and they step on it and they can't figure out how to move and
0: they can't just go buggy around the round pen. Right. Yeah.
1: And so then then I hobble their front legs the way you would traditionally. And if I've got any horse left mentally, then I like to go ahead and saddle them. And and move around under saddle. Um. So then, by the third day, that's something that that has been rode. By that third day, and I okay, you know the pattern on the on the circus pole, which I get. I work on almost everything. I work on the circus pole every day for thirty days at
0: least. Um, the more I watch you use it like I told you earlier today it's such a, a freaking oh hand man, I'm going to sink one in the middle of my round pen there ain't no doubt about it yeah. it's so handy and, and after you use it a while you go God how did I ever get away without this thing it's <laughs> yeah. a freaking post in the ground
1: but, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah we, circus pole yeah something that's been rode Then by the third day I'm, I'm up on them and doing basic stuff but trying to find out if somebody's rode it before trying to find out um where the holes are in them, and that's again not trying to be a cocky deal. It's just if I'm the only one that's wrote it, I know where the holes are because I'm the one that put them there. If somebody else has wrote it, I got to find where those holes are. Everybody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's good enough that they're not going to leave something undone. Some kind of hole in them. Some kind of hole in them. So if somebody else wrote it, I just need to find out where their hole is, how I can put my groove over that, and and you know try to mitigate my own hole making. And so, with a horse that's been rode already, from there on, I can't really give you an average day, because it depends on where they're at, what kind of holes are in them, and whatnot. But then with with an unstarted colt, you know, that third day is uh, kind of more of the same, feeling that saddle out again, maybe driving them around a little bit. Uh, By today was the fourth day that you saw, Uh, I was driving them around. Uh, I feel like... Two of the, those three colts, I could have gone on today, and I kind of was thinking about doing it, um, and then I decided, you know, they'll be better tomorrow, so tomorrow, at least those two better ones I'll probably get on, yep. that filly that kind of lost her mind, Yeah. Uh, I may just kick her in the in that cutting pen saddle tomorrow, and actually, since you're around, make you get on the big paint horse, and just chase her around until yeah absolutely Tell she's good and just like you said like you said it perfectly man when she decides to panic she's committed to it yeah
0: and she, God she was a weird little bugger she would be so level-headed just kind of getting around and then she decided she didn't like something and I'm gonna panic about it right and fucking A, she would sure right. enough commit to it god dang
1: and so like there's there's kind of what I was talking about about finding somebody else's hole in it so the the Colt and that other Philly, the one Philly, she's she's gentle, but she's pretty rangy. She's got cock burrs in her mane and everything. She hadn't been handled very much. That Colt, he's real gentle, and it seems like he's been kind of wooled around and brushed on and stuff like that. Yeah. But he hadn't been jacked with too much. That Philly that panics so bad, I got a, a email a mile long about how much they had done. We've saddled her, yeah. we've put weight in the stirrup, and. And sometimes she just freezes up and won't go, and we've been doing work above her back, and, like, all the... And, and pardon me, because I got nothing against any of these guys, but all the Clinton Anderson, Pat Pirelli, RFD-TV stuff you could come up with had been done to this feeling. She just shut her brain off for those people and just yeah. just went, okay, well, you're just going to do stuff. I'm just going to get over it. And so then that's I've been trying to find the holes in her, and that's the one... Main one there, I'd given her that freedom to go make decisions on her own. Um, with that circus poles, what really develops that making those decisions on their own, and so that driving, I I bet you the way she was when she came to me, a guy could have drove her around, and she wouldn't have panicked over that because she wouldn't have felt like she had the ability to. You know, she would have felt like they would have stopped her somehow or this or that. I gave her freedom to make that decision and and make a bad decision and she did make a lot of bad decisions Yep. And, and like you said she was committed to it but we just kept i just kept going like well just keep making bad decisions till you finally make a good one
0: yep yeah and i i really liked how um i'm glad i watched you ground drive a horse before i tried to do it myself because like when she would go to making bad decisions and you just toss that off drive you know that off drive line hold on yeah period. which is w- the one that was really making her panic you know so for those listening that's I mean that's the ground driving line that's on the off side of the horse and wrapped around her butt kind of up under her tail and bouncing off her hawks if you will really wanted to make her panic especially going around. Um, to the left to the left yeah in that left seemed, lead seemed like the right
1: drive line didn't she, bother at she could
0: have cared less going in that right lead but when she would come around the left and pick up that left lead man she was not a fan yeah and i'm glad i got to watch that and watch you just not well all right well piss on it i'm gonna toss this line i'm gonna let you drag it around and figure it out but yeah. it ain't gonna eat you and right. make bad decisions until you like you said, until you make a good one. Right.
1: Well and and you know, and we talked about that afterward. I could have I have enough leverage the way I have that deal set up, I could have sat down on those and and her shut her down, flopped yeah. her over. I had that post right there, you can dally off to that post and I mean get everything to come to a yield. Uh but they don't learn anything that way. Sometimes there's situations where that works, but but not very often. And not on her. Not on that feeling no, where she yeah. she's already um, she's, she's gonna, already prepared to have somebody do it for her rather yeah. than think it out herself.
0: And I think she's the type of horse that's going to learn on the move.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. obviously a mover. Yeah. And so that's, you know, so that's... She's in a situation where so now my my typical week as of today is no longer going to be typical with her because right. I'm dealing with some holes in her that I, that I need to patch up before I can do anything else. And, and there was a time... Where I would have gone, well, I'm getting paid to ride her. Go, so I'm gonna get on, so her. I'm gonna get on her and go to riding her. The way I think I now is, bad about that sometimes. yeah. And the way I think now is that, no, I'm gonna, I'm getting paid to start her. And the people, through no fault of their own, they thought they were doing right. They, and I'll talk about that bringing one already prepared here in a second. Was we were talking about that last night. Um, you know, the the people put some holes in it. Like it's not the end of the world. It's it's not a big deal. But that's what I'm getting paid for at this point is to make something safe and sound for them to go on with. I think I've got that Philly for 90 days.
0: Oh, you bet.
1: So if, I, if it's another five or six days of jackassing around before I actually get on her. It's not the end of the that's world. It's not the end of the world. I'll, right. get, her, I'll get her caught up. Um, but then the, those other two, they'll go on to a pretty prototypical. Their, their next 90 days will be pretty pretty regular, you know. By the end of this week, I'll be I'll be on them. By Saturday, if not Saturday, by Monday, I'll be in that big cutting pen. That cutting pin's, I don't know what hundred by two hundred.
0: The cutting pen shoot, yeah, seventy five by one hundred fifty. Yeah, 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 it's like it's not huge by any stretch. Yeah. I actually really like the size of that. Oh, it's an awesome! He, pen. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, and I like that it's oval. It's not quite square, but it's yeah. not quite circle. Yeah, you can good kind setup. of line one out and actually make them.
1: Yeah, they can, yeah. and they can get ripped around in there, but they never get to where they're going fast enough that it, you feel like you're going to get in a wreck. Yeah.
0: So that's, anyway, that's
1: a good pen. By Monday on on those two horses, I'll be in there, and then really for the probably the next thirty days of their career, I'll be in there at a walk and a trot for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and that'll that'll be kind of it yeah and then once once we get along around about 45 days or so when they're stronger you know then i'll go to open circles and try to do some stuff i've got all that desert right out my back gate there Oh yeah we'll do some some trail riding out through there um and and they'll go on from there um it's usually for me it's about 90 days before i start one on a cow and i think those two will be going home at that point but they'll They'll kind of just be introduced to a cow by the time they go home. And
0: I think one of my favorite things about you, why I really like watching you ride and want you to teach me, I've been a very firm believer in that you don't have to ride one for two hours to get something done. And I've met lots of guys that are like, oh, if you're not on them for an hour, what'd you even do? Right. You know, I... I've told lots of people, the first 10 rides of any horse that I've ever started 10 minutes long, if that. Right. You know, I just... My goal when I get on them for the first 10 times is to get on them, get in the middle of them, make them turn left, make them turn right, make them stop without freaking out about it. Go stop
1: and turn, that's all I need to do. Yeah,
0: and if they'll stop and they'll turn each each direction without freaking out why why push it why get, get any more out of it get off them while they're happy i'm gonna beat them to the punch and yeah give them a positive experience rather than sit there and pick on them right yeah i and i've always really appreciate because like i said i've met a ton of horse trainers right. that are like oh well, i mean if you weren't on him for an hour did you even do anything right well, i mean i thought i did
1: yeah you know well and especially with those little guys you know those two-year-olds and even the, the younger three-year-olds um it's so easy to make them sore they're not very strong yeah it, i mean that's a big 10 minutes is a big day for them they get four or five six years old and you're starting them which i don't do anymore <laughs> but there was a time where i yeah, six years old i don't care shrug my shoulders yeah, I was damn sure I was going to be on in a couple hours, but I was going to be out trotting across the desert. Yeah, you know. I was, well, I
0: mean, and like you said, that's a big, strong horse. They can that's, take. It. They can take it, and most of them by that point have fallen through the cracks and are probably pretty watchy and touchy and. Yeah, you got Saturday all kinds of problems. You're yeah, with. It, that you're dealing with. and They need it.
1: They need to be tired. They need those, to be. It. Those little guys, you know that. Here it is Thursday, working them 20 minutes a day for the last four days. They're tired
0: yeah oh yeah <laughs> i haven't even got on them yet and they're tired <laughs> yeah uh like like the little filly that was the most rambunctious of the bunch if you will you know i mean shoot you could tell like she wants to run and she needs to run and yeah. air out a little bit before she's ready to learn but it didn't take very long took no. five minutes right five minutes and she's aired out and ready to learn something yeah you know and
1: so in that deal this is the way I look at it. and You can't put a number, but I'll just make up some numbers because it's different for every horse. But I figure you've got a window of opportunity when they're in a learning frame of mind.
0: Absolutely. and
1: And that may be a 10-minute window. It may be a 7-minute window. It may be a 15-minute window. But for the ease of math, let's just call it a 10-minute window. And so your X amount of time doing whatever you're doing, you know, whether it's your groundwork and and just getting them saddled and kind of moving them off whatever, your X amount of time getting into that 10-minute window. And then once you're there, try to get something done. You don't need to get a bunch done. If you can get one or two things done to where they actually learn it in that 10-minute window, then I want off of them before that window of opportunity has closed. I, I want them still in that learning frame of mind when I get off, pet them on the neck, loosen my cinch. If i've waited till i've used my whole 10 minutes up then then whatever i do afterwards and and the reward of me getting off putting away they don't smooth it's gone they don't remember it and so that even goes so that goes with two-year-old colts starting them in a round pen but then now let's fast forward a year and a half and that colt's three coming four and you're using them on the ranch I still think you've only got a 10 minute opportunity to teach him anything. You might be on him six hours, but I still think you've only got a 10 minute opportunity to teach him anything. And, and so now your space from zero to when you get to that opportunity is longer because he's bigger and stronger, got more air. And then that space after your 10 minute opportunity doesn't have an ill effect. If you keep riding him and keep doing your job, keep punching cows, it doesn't have an ill effect on him because you've, You've gotten off in that, you know, for that first year, you got off while you were still in that yeah. window of opportunity. So now it doesn't matter if you keep riding; you're not going to make you mad. You're not going to hurt anything. You're not going to learn
0: anything. But you're just going to get along. Get you're just going to get along. Mm-hmm.
1: And I really think that then, when you get in that situation where you're on a horse all day, you there's no reason you can't break that that ten minutes up into 10 one minute windows. You know, he feels in. A, he's in a good. Learning frame of mind right now, cool. Well, let's work on this turnaround for a minute. The turnaround, or the stop, or the softening, or whatever. Of the what, million things. Whatever we, you want to pick the on the million things out. we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. And work on that and just that for a minute, two minutes maybe, and then throw your reins at him and hit a trot again. Go back to looking for cows and let them think it over and mull it over and kind of figure out what they were up to there. And then they feel soft, feel like they're in another good good opportunity to teach them and that may be 30 minutes maybe an hour and a half maybe 30 seconds yeah who knows knows? but then another window and then let's maybe we'll do something else or maybe maybe we'll maybe we didn't get much done in that first window so we'll try it again in that way in that way i think if you do it right and of course nobody does it right very many times but the more you do it the more often you do it right in that way i feel like you can have a six hour ride on that on that three-year-old horse punch cows get a job done teach him something and if you played all your cards right you can have him in that that last one minute window of opportunity to learn when you get off of him at the at the trailer and and still be building on it the same way you could and you're not always no yeah but but (laughs) if i can yeah i'll try to teach that that older colt i've still only got 10 minutes to teach him but i'll try to teach him 10 things At ten different intervals throughout the day, and and I think that's where a lot of guys I see that horse gets three, four years old, and they, well, he's four years old. I can train on him all day. Well, yeah, you can, but it
0: doesn't mean he's going
1: to absorb it. Doesn't do you any good. And and (laughs) Those horses, they just get to where they're like, "Fuck this guy again."
0: Yeah. You know,
1: all he does is just pick on me all day, just like that buddy of yours that we were talking about where
0: he oh he just made him gutless yeah he,
1: and that's he, exactly what i think they're thinking like oh man
0: piss on this guy He's i'm just, just gonna, gonna get beat pulled him. on and yeah. kicked
1: on and kicked on and pulled
0: and you maybe aren't even being mean but just and, and that that guy that kid's a, a prime example of somebody that i don't necessarily think was trying to be mean he just he wanted a story Right. he wanted to talk about it he wanted to go to the bar and tell a story about how ranked today was right. and you know this that or the other and he was a hundred oh about everything I can't tell you how many times that guy yelled at me because I was driving cows at a walk Right, me and cows you know we're right. just at a walk but I've got them and oh you need to fucking get over here and do this and do that and and he would for everybody listening I I told Brett he would make horses quitting, cause they, I just feel like they never thought there was anything coming. Yeah, there's but no right. There's no right answer. There's no wrong. There's no right. There's only wrong. There's only work. Work is all that's coming. Yeah. Nine O is all that's coming. And I think he. I yeah. I think he made a lot of horses that probably could have been good, stout, long winded, right. give you all the live long day type horses into weak hearted pukes. And see, because they just never thought anything else was ever coming
1: i made a pile of horses that way when i was in my late teens my early 20s you know because i looked up to the guys the guys that were in their 30s and 40s and 50s that could make a really nice horse i looked up to them i wanted to be like them and so i i saw on at least the ranches i was on there's not very many of these anymore that i've seen but on those ranches i was on the guy with the nicest horse had the most respect out of anybody absolutely and, and there were some of those guys i can think of one or two off the top of my head that are absolutely no good sons of bitches i mean left their wife ran out on their kids terrible yeah. drunks like uh, just a terrible piece of human flesh but they made really nice horses As everybody so really, you looked up everybody them. respected them yep. we all looked up to them and i was i was trying so hard for so long to make my horses good that i did the same thing that 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 kid that you're talking about, dude, I, was just, I was just training on them all the time and just trying to make that stop a little faster, that spin a little snappier. And, and I made a pile of them where they were just like, you know what, Brett, fuck you. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know?
0: And, uh, and I do think there's a tidbit of a difference between making one that'll check out on you mentally. Versus making one that was, that just was just flat straight out quit Yeah, I
1: never. I don't think I've made one actually just lay down and quit me. But
0: and the the, the longer I'm around you, and the more I learn from you, I know for a darn sure that I've. I've made a couple, and I have, you know, I I got a late start right. in the colt train and all that, so at 27, I've started a lot less horses than a lot of guys at right. 27.
1: But you didn't so, know how many miles they could go.
0: Yeah, and I didn't even know how many miles they could go, so I would like to think that I've made a few less of them, but I definitely can think of a couple that I just, I know they probably checked out on me and were like, yeah, piss on you. Yeah. yeah. You just, you know, you're just going to sit here and do this and do that and dinker down. We're never going to sit still and we're always going to be doing something. So this ain't very fun and I don't really want to do it. Right. And they're gone.
1: Well, and see, but then there's, you've got a, it's a double-edged sword. So like that little bay filly that I was riding today that was kind of being kicky and shitty. And, and I was kind of saying, yeah, she's not really always like that. She's sick of open circles. I'm, I'm on the cusp of getting her to check out on me mentally because I haven't been doing enough. And, and I know, I knew I was close to that. I, I, there's a rhyme and a reason. I want a few things mechanically exactly the way I want them before I start doing anything else. And I, I need to shit her, get off the pot with her. Um, but we talked about her history. She's had we several other guys ride her and this and that. And, so and I, really
0: pick on her. And pick on her. And, and yeah. so I,
1: mechanically, I want some things to be just the way I want them or as close as I can get before I before I advance her. But she's telling me it, 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 more today than she ever has that, hey, I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of just sloping circles. Yeah. And let's, so I don't. do something. Yeah. I don't have everything exactly the way I want it. But I think tomorrow I'm going to put her in front of a cow and. And, and just for something else to do, because yeah. she's right on the verge of mentally checking out, because I'm
0: not doing enough. Yeah. And I really, I really, really like and appreciate that you listen to your horse that way, because I've watched lots of guys not. Right. Just, no. You're going to, you know, you're going to stop this way, and you're going to turn this way, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do this. I don't care how sick of it you are. Right. Until it's right. Um, uh like when you were talking about how, and um, on Tuffy's podcast, how you're talking about like Mondays Air Mount Day, Tuesdays right. this day, Wednesdays that day, and on lead departure day, I could give shit how they stop. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit there and fight with them. And how you went, you know, and you said you just go down this rabbit hole of, well, I didn't really like this, and I didn't really like that. Man, that was a big eye opener for me. I know I've done it. Right. I know I've done it. I've done it on the gelding sitting in my p- dino. Right. little run, and he's so good. He's, he's got brain so for it. Where he's, he's like, Oh well, like, like, i to now. But he's like, "All right, you know, whatever." And yeah, I'm so lucky that he is the horse that he is, because yeah. that's where I feel like I kind of just hit. I actually know some stuff, and I actually know that I can make a nice horse. And I I feel like I'm the most knowledgeable I've ever been, so I like just really want right to just go to tuning on one and I felt like that was the right thing. And then I heard that and I was like, you know what, he's right. Right. If 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 that's what I had in my mind that day and he does it right, fucking gives a shit about the rest of it. Work on that tomorrow.
1: Well and and that's a that's actually a relatively new theory for me, considering the length of my career. Um and it's it's due to being judgmental i can tell you where i was and who the guy was i was watching i won't but but he's a good hand and i was watching him and and he rolled up, oh he rolled up to, at a lope next to me to just to stop and tell me something and his horse blew the stop and he went right to training on that stop while he was talking to me and then he whirled around and that, he didn't like that the way that horse turned and so then he's Turning him around and, and like doing this and doing that. In ten minutes, he he changed to like he'd four different things he's training on, on that horse, and, and and got all of them to his liking. But then I know as soon as he went over the ridge,
0: something else he
1: there was yeah or that horse like the horse blew the stop again or whatever yeah and it and I was being you know pretty uppity and watching him being judgmental going yeah you know and pointing out in my head like this is what he's doing if you're gonna if you're gonna work on stop work on the fucking stop don't worry about how he turns around and and then i trotted off feeling like i was pretty cool shit and then thinking jesus you do that all the time (laughs) holy crap that's the pot calling the kettle black there and that that really changed the way i do things and and i I can't even plead ignorance because i had been taught that by a lot of good trainers and horsemen that you just work on one thing at a time And I always felt like I was. Yeah, I'm working on the stop now. And in here, in just five minutes, I'm going to work on the turnaround. And
0: and, uh, honestly, I could plead ignorance. Right. I'm one of the few cases that could. I'm not gonna because I thought the same thing. I thought I am working on one thing at a time. I'm working on the stop. Well, and then he was brasive and pissed me off and didn't want to turn to the right, so then I worked on no, turning to no, the right working on the turn to the right yeah. and then I him around and he did really good for about ten minutes, and then he blew a stop again, so now I'm gonna work, back to work on stop. bound back to working on he stop and i i am we I am working on right. one thing at a time, you know, and I, so I'm not even gonna plead ignorance because I thought the same thing right I thought I was working on one thing at a time and Man, that out of that two-and-a-half-hour podcast, if I wouldn't have heard nothing else, that was awesome cool. to hear just don't give a shit. Yeah. If you're stopping, stop. If you're turning, turn. If you're lead departing, lead depart. Right. If you're just breezing them out to let them be Colts and kick and fart and be dumb, just let them breeze out and kick and fart and be dumb. Right. Don't give a damn about nothing else because I immediately, it was like, I do that to the horse I have right now, right. let alone horses I've had in the past.
1: And it's a hard habit to
0: break. Oh. You know? Yeah. And and I put so much pressure on myself about that little roan colt I have because he's so smart, and he's so trainable. He is probably the most trainable horse I've ever rode. And he's mine. Right. Right? I own him. I never have to get rid of him if I don't want to. And that's part of the reason why I bought him. He, he impressioned me as a very smart, trainable horse and i wanted to challenge myself to start to finish a horse yeah. i had started horses i'd finished a couple of horses i had rode a couple of finished horses i had kind of rode a couple here and there in between but i had never had a horse start to finish and i wanted to see what i could do and how good i was at it and of course i'm a farrier he's fallen by the wayside again yeah. hopefully here soon with taking horses again and setting inside a time every day to ride out. I'll get to kind of go through all that again, but honestly, there's some stuff i'm gonna I'm gonna get off of him and do with just because I realize I kind of blew past that right you know
1: well, horses like Campbell cause a guy to do that to to skip steps you know if you think of it as as a set of stairs, uh some of them horses will make you take a step every day or let you take a step every day. some of them you stay on the same step for several days a row. Sometimes you take a step four and you have to take two back because you didn't do it right the first time. That's on you. But some of them will let you skip three or four steps. And you think that's, at the time, you think that's pretty cool. But it's, at some point, you'll go, shit. Why didn't I just do it? Why didn't I just do that step?
0: Yeah. You know? I mean, why didn't I? I mean, I drug a tire on that horse twice. Right. That day, that very first time I came and branded with you guys, I'd right. drug it a, a, in a small tire. I didn't even drug anything heavy on him. Right. He had no idea how to log. Right. He had no idea how to pull at the horn. When it showed that first,
1: those know, first, 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 two, or first three. two or
0: three calves, and they figured it out. Oh, he, he's a smart critter. He figured, like you said, he figured it out, but I just wanted hmm. to brand on him, and he was the horse that I had, so I just rode in there, and I knew he would take it. Right. I knew that he wasn't going to cause a problem and cause a scene. And I knew that I could make up for it in the way, and I thought I did a good job of, I'm just going to rope, like, ten tops. I'm just going to rope a couple. Yeah. I'm going to keep it light. I'm going to keep it simple. And I'm going to get the fuck off of him and pet him and tell him he's a good bastard. Right. And and I and I did do that, but, man, I skipped so many steps. Right. With that horse before I rode him into that Brandon pin. If he wasn't as good as he is... Could have be been, could have been a wreck. wreck.
1: Yeah. And and I think that's a wise decision, going back and doing a lot of that stuff afoot. Uh, honest to God, I think I think groundwork pays off. And, and not to say I don't do my groundwork. I'm religious about the groundwork I do before I ride them. I think it pays you more dividends after the first thirty rides. Doing, I, I'll go back and do some of the same stuff that I did before I ever stepped on them. I'll. I've, Take him back and drive him.
0: sometimes. I'll do a variety of things. I, I was just about to say, after watching ground drive one, I'm going to ground drive him. Yeah. I'm going to get back off of I'm going to ground drive him. That's yeah. 100% going to happen. Well, and he's a great one to do it
1: on, too, because that, that ground driving is a lot freaking harder than it looks just in terms of managing, managing your reins. Managing your reins and your... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's harder than it looks, and so it may as well be on one like him where... It's, it's so gentle. It's it, not... It, it all tangled up. up. It's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah,
0: you could wrap... that suckers all four feet to within five inches of each other, and you just going to look at you on Oh, yeah. now, what? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. You... you were, when you were asking me about the ground driving earlier today, I... I got in the middle of doing something, so I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but I said I had ground drove, and then I didn't for a long time, and then I had my dad do it, and, and I, I liked the results, but I still didn't do it. So then I punctured the lung, and uh, I couldn't ride. I couldn't get on a horse. I had a broken collarbone and punctured lung, and shit, I couldn't even saddle horse, but I was getting paid by the ride, and I was going to do something. And so I went to ground driving. and there's a bunch of fucking Bronx. I went to ground driving around, and I'd go for as long as I could keep my air, and then, you know, I'd feel like I was about to pass out, and I'd just wrap those reins around my waist and say, whoa, and fall over backwards and just lay there. And <laughs> get my breath caught again and, and go to doing it again. And that's, that's where ground driving turned into part of my program, where I got so much done being too crippled to ride that when I finally could ride him again, I went, holy shit. I got a lot of work done
0: doing that. I didn't even know. I didn't even know yeah. it. Yeah, I was, and so no, I think it's a great thing to go back and do. And yeah, well, and like you said, he's a, he's a goddamn gentle. He'll let me fuck it up and right, right, <laughs> figure right. it out. Yeah, yeah. But. Um, well, cool. Um, shoot, what was I going to talk to you next about? I don't even remember. Um, that's okay. I like what we're talking about so far. Um, <laughs> uh so you uh you said you grew up in a logging community right yeah yeah i definitely remember wanting to talk to you a little bit about that and we got all the time in the world so um but i know that's kind of a hot topic right now with ranchers and yeah. hunters alike and and i like to gear this podcast towards both so um just I don't know, I guess, kinda what are your thoughts and opinions on okay on the old logging well, so uh,
1: I'm pro logging um not be just because I'm pro logging also it's obviously the best fucking thing you can do for the ecosystem in terms of in terms of ranching in terms of hunting in terms of just a healthy forest all the way around um the next best thing to logging. Uh, biologically probably the the best thing is to go ahead and let herds graze naturally and overgraze pieces and then migrate to other pieces and let it burn that's probably the actually the best thing for the environment but okay we're not going to do that no, we can't do that we can't burn anymore right yeah. so so that, that means we have to graze we have to graze um w- with a plan we have to graze systematically and grazing cattle is the best thing you can do for the country in terms of your deer and elk populations, your, your sage grass whatever the animals you're talking about. And I, anybody with a college education that wants to, wants to argue that you're wrong. Like you're, you're just wrong. <laughs> yeah. First, you you read the wrong stuff because there's a bunch of stuff that, that says that I'm right. And two, I've been there and, and I can tell you, um, and then, it, then in terms of logging, you know, yeah, my grandpa was a logger. had a had a small logging company, um, and and a small. He actually did a cool thing. This was this was long before, like like he, he had a vision of of how this works long before anybody else was thinking about this stuff. So this would have been in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. He had a small herd of cattle. Um, I think like 500 head. Boy, so that's a relative. That's a pretty good
0: one. Yeah, that's, that's pretty a
1: decent size herd. Chunk of cows. Uh, but he didn't, he had the little home ranch, but he didn't have anywhere, he, he didn't have a ranch for that many cattle. But he had these logging permits, and so he would get a grazing permit on his logging permits. Log oh, it. Yeah. He would graze it first.
0: Oh, graze it first. He
1: would graze it first, and he'd high, high-intensive grazing, high-intensive shit. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah graze it intensively he'd overgraze it before they went in there and log and so what he was doing essentially was knocking down all the underbrush taking a bunch of the fire hazard away so so that way his logging company didn't have to spend as much time and effort into the the fire hazards and in the brush clearing and things like that he'd graze it intensively move the cattle over to another permit the next permit he was going to work on log the permit that he had them on in the first place, he had them on a rotation to where then as that new growth was coming up, because they had more sunshine and more nutrients and all the stuff that happens when you cut down old, older growth, um, there, there's lots of grass, but all that grass will prevent new growth of trees Mm -hmm. if you're not careful. So he would regraze it and then he replanted. He was one of the, he was one of the first companies in the world to start replanting trees on on those uh, on those cuts, especially on the clear cuts. That's
0: fucking easy shit. Yeah, and so I
1: I didn't know the man. He died a week before I was born. I just know of him. I don't think he was the kind of guy that was doing that for the environmental impact, as much as he was doing that for this is the fastest, cheapest, most efficient way, and my son's going to inherit this logging company and he'll have. He'll be able to, great, to log these same permits if I do this right. There'll be trees for him to. So he, he was thinking of it in a regrowth terms, but I doubt any sustainable,
0: a sustainable way, right? He ain't thinking about it for the money, but yeah. not for the ecosystem. Which right.
1: I... But I mean, he lived in the woods, so I mean, he loved the woods. Yeah. And, and so the, the ecosystem part too. That just you know the the guys of that when generation just didn't think of yeah. didn't think of the ecosystem in that way. Um, so those were the kinds of things he was doing now in that community I grew up in, it was, it was all fruit orchards, um, a little bit of, of, uh, cattle and sheep agriculture and logging. So there was the big logging companies there too. <sighs> I'll cuss a big corporation the same as anybody else, other than the fact that they're the ones that pay all the bills, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so those big corporations, they early on they were they were doing, um, sustainability projects too, you know. It, it was it was a little later than than he was, you know. But starting in the mid seventies, they started realizing that that oh gee, we got to take care of this forest if we're going to keep these multi billion companies afloat. And they put a ton of time and effort and money involved in it, um, and we're doing a good, a great job until the mid '90s when, when the left shut them all down, over, uh, uh, you know, the spotted owl was, was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, an owl that that will make its nest anywhere that's high. It was all about the old growth forest. The owls don't yeah. give a shit; they'll do it in the top of a building, just the same as anywhere else. Yeah. And so, I guess what I'm getting at is. Or trying to work towards here is that um the the college educated left doesn't love the forest any more than the blue collar right those of us that that i guess i can include myself in this because I, I did once for a week make my living in the, in the woods but the, all those loggers i i promise you the the harvard grads don't love the woods more than the loggers do I don't think they probably love them as much, but they darn sure they don't love them more. Those, those guys that made their living in the woods back then. They loved the woods. They wanted to take care of them, uh, and they had a lot more riding on it than, than somebody at the Forest Service or somebody at the BLM. Absolutely, it's they, what
0: paid their, yeah. paid their damn bills. Yeah, they
1: they had they had their their livelihood riding on it, and and there was a time there when it was. It was a total normal thing to graduate high school, go to work at the mill, work at the mill for 30 years. It was a great job. And retire with benefits. And so they had their livelihood and their kids' livelihood and their kids' kids' livelihood in mind all all due to the health of the woods. So I, I think those guys had a lot more riding on it. Um, consequently, really wanted the health of the woods. They They held it a lot more importantly. And then they also had their wallet riding on it. So... Their ideas had to work because if it didn't work, they were going to go broke. The yeah. Forest Service's ideas don't have to work. No. They can write it up on paper and say, yeah, that might work. And when it doesn't work,
0: well, I guess we'll write up a
1: different. They're not out yeah. anything. Yeah. The fucking forest burns down, they're not out anything.